Let me tell you a brief story about hydrogen. I'm from a small village in the northern part of Germany, um, close to the port town of Bremerhaven. There's a small train line running from Bremerhaven to the larger city of Hamburg, about 100 kilometers to the east. The train passes by my home village and continues its way through green pastures and meadows, stopping by several small villages and smaller towns <laughs> with a dozen of cows looking on. Uh, it's very idyllic and very rural. Um, and when I say it's a small train line, it, it really is small. The train only has two carriages and for some stops, you actually have to tell the driver in advance that you need to get off, otherwise the train won't stop. Needless to say, this is not an electrified train line. And until recently, the train has been running diesel engines. But for a couple of years now, the train line has included two hydrogen power trains. And now, whenever I visit my home village, I'm very impressed and I marvel at this quiet and very futuristic train whose exhaust is pretty much only water, maybe a glimpse into our hydrogen future. Welcome to the Coffee Talk. Today, we will take a look at our hydrogen future. Over the next 60 minutes, we will examine why hydrogen plays a central role for our future societies, where we are in terms of producing and transporting hydrogen cheaply and efficiently, what kind of global supply system is emerging, and what kind of roles Germany and Japan play in all this, and why collaboration between these two countries is important. To shed light on these questions, we are very fortunate to have with us today two experts in hydrogen research, Professor Dr. Christian Sattler of the Institute for Future Fuels at the German Aerospace Center, DLR, and professor at the Technical University Dresden, and professor Dr. Tatsuya Kodama from the engineering department at Niigata University. Thank you very much for being with us today. A quick note to our viewers, you've probably watched the coffee talk already. Um, as you know, um, there's a link posted to the DWIH website, um, to the website Slido. You can use this link to post your questions. Um, if you want to get in touch with our guests, please also check the website. There are the, um, the links that you can use to get in touch with them. Some of you already prepped us with some questions in advance. Thanks very much. We'll get back to these questions in the course of our talk today. Also, one quick note. Um, it seems like we picked the perfect time and day for our talk. I was unaware of it when preparing the date. But only one hour after our talk, the hydrogen energy ministerial meeting will take place today with speeches, among others, by the German Federal Minister for Economic Affairs and Energy, Peter Altmaier, and the Minister of Economy, Trade and Industry in Japan, Hiroshi Kajima. So we really picked the perfect time and date. Um, Christian, I, I wanted to start with something, something pointy. Um, and I was thinking, about the following question. Is hydrogen really the energy source of the future? Is this what we've been waiting all, um, for all along? Yeah, good morning, uh, Axel. Good afternoon to Japan. Um, hydrogen is a very special molecule. It is a very good energy storage, uh, chemical energy storage, therefore, uh, it can play an important role in our future energy system, but it's a chemical molecule. So it's very important in chemistry. It's around in chemical industry for over a hundred years. 
And therefore we have to look at it in a much wider context than only as an energy vector. Uh, it is absolutely crucial, for example, for the production of fertilizers. Um, there are two large production um, areas where hydrogen is used today. This is for the upgrading of uh, crude oil and for fertilizer production. And especially as our population is growing, we will need even more fertilizer in the future. And uh, hydrogen is uh, absolutely vital to that. And uh, today, hydrogen is produced mainly from fossil resources, mainly from natural gas, a little bit from coal. And we have to shift this to renewable energy to uh, avoid the CO2 emissions. So by putting hydrogen in a wider context in our um, energy economy, it will be a energy vector for um, replacing some kind of other chemical fuels, but it also will remain a chemical that we need just for our living. And we have to transport it and produce it in large quantities in areas where we probably not produce it today, but uh, which will help us to establish such a, a global grid of hydrogen production. So in short, yes, it will play an important role in our energy system, but there is uh, uh, there are other applications where we desperately need uh, hydrogen as well. This is actually very interesting because I, I think most people are probably like me. When we think about hydrogen, we first think about hydrogen powered cars, trains, uh, whatever. Um, but, but what you're saying is that there's actually a very large part in the economy where hydrogen is needed and that doesn't relate to energy. That's true. Um, and it, it will remain like this because otherwise we will not produce enough food or there are other um, uh, important processes, in, especially in heavy industry, where we need hydrogen as a reducing agent. So, for example, in uh, developing our steel production, for example, we could use hydrogen and there are other large production processes where we can use the hydrogen instead of carbon for, uh, that we use today. But as well, we can use it uh, as an energy vector. And you mentioned the different uh, transporting systems. It starts actually with chips that could be operated with hydrogen. Uh, large vessels can use the hydrogen as a fuel, but it also could be used for trains. You mentioned that the, the train in Northern Germany, we know that these trains are very much looked after the, the uh, different um, companies um, try to replace diesel engines with hydrogen fuel cells and uh, therefore uh, minimize the emissions of their non-electrified uh, train systems. We also will use it for road transportation, specifically for um, uh, trucks that have to run for long distances so that they should not wear too much load from batteries that bring them uh, for to the to the necessary um, uh, distance a day, the hydrogen system will provide larger ranges uh, for with lower weight, but also maybe for passenger cars. Um, there are some on the roads. I like to drive them. They drive nicely. I would like to see even more of them on the road. And then, are of you, course, also I, I, sorry, sorry to interrupt your question. So, are, are yeah. you already driving a, a hydrogen-powered car? Yes, we'd use one. Uh, oh, you are? I, we have, 
we have we have two sites in my institute in Germany, and uh, it's about 75 kilometers apart. So yeah. to um, uh, move between the two sites, we have a hydrogen car um, that uh, works perfectly. We, we use it now for nearly three years. There was not a single failure in that three years. It's brilliant. And, uh, and all the people are very happy to drive it. It's smooth. It's quiet. Uh, it drives nicely. So I, I really like this. Yeah. And, where where, where uh, can you fill it up? Do you, do you have to fill it up at your institute? No, we have a quite well-established um, hydrogen refueling system in Germany. So second best after Japan. Japan is leading here in the world. But even in Germany, we have about 100 refueling stations. And therefore, it's no problem to refuel the car. Uh, on my way from Cologne to Jülich, there are three refueling stations. So it's no problem. Excellent. Tatsuyev, may I ask you, um, are you driving a, a hydrogen-powered car or do you, is there something in, in your daily life where, where you can use hydrogen uh, already? Yeah, I'm, I'm living in the Niigata city, so, but uh, in the Niigata city, we have only one hydrogen station. So, uh, no, says the Japanese is a leader to have a, a you know, hydrogen station, but uh, uh, almost of all uh, uh, located in the Pacific Ocean side like Tokyo, Osaka, Nagoya. Uh, I live in, uh, you know, Japanese seaside. Yeah. Uh, my yeah. city has only now only one hydrogen. So it is difficult to refuel the hydrogen. Yeah. So that is a problem, I think, the hydrogen car currently. So. But I would think we're probably still at the very beginning, right? So this is mm -hmm. probably something that would be expanded in the yep. near future. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but to me it seems, um, and, and, and I don't want to be bi sound biased and I don't want to <laughs> advertise hydrogen on purpose because that's the topic of our talk, but it seems to me it, it might be much easier to, to establish a, um, a network of, um, of hydrogen fuel stations rather than expanding a network of um, electricity plugs so that you can fill up your, your electric car. Or how how would you how would you see the future? Is it is it side by side? Will we have hydrogen powered cars for some applications, electric cars for others? If if you have the sorry, sorry if you if you have um, uh, the the chance to um, plug in uh, your car uh, at your home. An electric car is very versatile. It's very easy to use um, if you don't want to run too long distances so that the batteries don't have to be too big, too heavy, too expensive. Then uh, it's a very nice way to drive um, and it will probably be um, a good choice for probably more than 90% of your drives anyway. If you have a special use of cars, so especially long distances, then hydrogen might have uh, an advantage. And if you live in places where it is difficult to plug in your car every day, so um, uh, in areas where, where you don't have the, the chance to have your own uh, plug-in system, then uh, it also is useful to have a central station where you can refuel the car fast and easily um, mm. and therefore there will be choices but uh, for many applications uh, battery electric cars are absolutely 
um, excellent because they're so easy to use. Yeah. Yeah. So for long distance, yeah. Oh, yes, Tatsuya. Yeah, I think the um, I think for the for the people uh, driving the light car, very small car and the compact car, maybe electric car is the best choice. Yeah. But uh, uh, for example, in a truck, bus, and the heavy car, I think the they need more power. So in this case, the hydrogen they need to need, they have to use the hydrogen. So uh, also uh, problem is the cost of the car. So you know, FC hydrogen uh, fuel cell vehicle is still expensive for the people. And also now, if we put also battery plus FC fuel cell, it makes the car more <laughs> expensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, Toyota is now developing the uh, hydrogen engine car. Yeah. So hydrogen engine is very simple and must be much cheaper than a fuel cell car with batteries. So uh, hydrogen car one will, will be the one of the choice. So. What, yes, what would sorry. be what, what would be the difference to to the uh, the hydrogen powered car? I think Toyota already has a car. I, I looked it actually up in, in, uh, in ahead of time. I think it's about sixty five thousand uh, euro. Um, so it's 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 not sort of the the average price range. I would say. Mm. What would be yeah. the difference for the the car you just mentioned? Yeah, you know, uh, mm, yeah, there are many varieties. So. Um, if you have hydrogen, so uh, one of the to to get the power for the fuel is one of the option is engine, mm. engine. So engine is doesn't use any you know fuel cell and uh, battery, so just engine like gasoline car has an engine, but uh, just replacing the uh, the fuel from gasoline to the hydrogen. But uh, we have to use the another another uh, uh, engine for especially for the hydrogen. But uh, uh, must, but uh, you know fuel cell is kind of the very um, uh, you know high technology uh, equipment. So mm. so it's a little bit expensive than uh, yeah. this kind of the regular high, regular uh, engine. So also battery battery is very expensive. So most uh, expensive car has a FC plus battery. So next one is probably FC. Next yeah. one is the uh, battery. And the uh, uh, bottom one, is, cheapest one is maybe engine car. Uh, I see. OK, so, so FC then fuel cells, right? <laughs> yes. OK. FC is yeah. In, in, in the future, we, we, Christian, you mentioned ships. Will, will we see other applications? Will we see hydrogen-powered airplanes? Probably, yes. Um, that's uh, actually a technology that was already developed in the 1980s. Uh, there were the first flights with hydrogen as a fuel in aircraft. Um, it will be a very nice fuel for short and medium range aircrafts. It will be very clean if you produce this from renewable energy, you only put water in the atmosphere. So um, I think it's a very good idea. It might be difficult for uh, extra long range aircrafts because then the volume of the hydrogen that you have to transport will be very large. So the amount of space for other freight or passengers will be Re reduce therefore 
uh, it's probably not the right fuel for long uh, range uh, uh, flights, but for uh, short to medium range, it's definitely a way for clean air transportation and therefore it's exactly what we need. Yeah. Well, a couple of questions ahead of time, like I said, and, and uh, one very good question, I think, probably reflects a, a general concern about the safety of hydrogen. Um, it, it seems very powerful. Also seems that if you crash your car, you really might cause problems. <laughs> what's what's the state there? Is it, is it fair? Is it, is it sort of on, the, on, on par with, um, with um, gasoline-powered cars? As a chemist, I would look very critically on all the um, energy systems that are used to power something. There is always um, the possibility, no matter if it's a solid state battery or it's a liquid like our um, uh, petrol or if it's a gas like hydrogen, um, there's always the energy in this material. And then you have to see how these materials behave. Um, if you have uh, hydrogen as a gas that is extremely light, if anything happens, the gas is blown away so fast that not much will happen. Uh, it's mm. not that this thing explodes. It's just as uh, that, that you will get a flame that burns very shortly and then it's gone. You know it from, um, from the liquid fuels, how the liquid fuels burn uh, when you ignite it it stays on the ground and that's the dangerous thing. And therefore the gas is more safe than, than the liquid fuel. Um, additionally, there are substances in the liquid fuels that are toxic. Hydrogen is not toxic, but uh, uh, benzene is. And, uh, and then uh, when you look at the batteries, um, there are light metals in it, specifically lithium and lithium burns and therefore um, you have a solid that burns and uh, it's very, very difficult to put out the fire if it burns. So um, mm. it, it's an issue with all the energy rich materials and there are specific um, dangers, but if they are not reactive, if they don't provide the energy, you can't use them. Then they might be safe if you put a rock in your car, but you can't get the energy out of it. So um, uh, we have to deal with, uh, with this danger if we want to use power coming out of whatever system. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, I, I remember there was another question actually to that extent, um, I think along the lines, if you, if, you, if you have hydrogen, I mean, to, to me, well, first of all, the exhaust seems, seems to cause no problems while we basically have water with, with some minor side products, I think. Um, but if we have hydrogen um, available and it get, gets dissolved in, in water, for example, I don't know if that's actually possible, but since we had the question, um, it was a question about safety. If, if, we, if we dissolve hydrogen in water, is that a problem? Is, that, um, is it toxic? Does it cause any problems? Does it, does it just evaporate into the air or what would happen? Yeah, some people, some people say the hydrogen dissolved water is very healthy for our body. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. so I think the, the hydrogen in the water, if hydrogen dissolved in the water, I don't fear it's dangerous. So, so you, you could actually stop your car and, and, and get a health stream. <laughs> I'm just joking. Well, yeah. For example, uh, mm, you know, hydrogen has very, very diffusible. Diffusibility yeah. is very high. So if you find the peak, 
leak from hydrogen cylinder. But uh, if you got the right, for example, five meters distance, but nothing happened. So hydrogen can quickly diffuse. So, so the ignition, ignition uh, are very, uh, uh, limited 4% in air. Mm -hmm. So it can't be reached to the 4% in the air. If five meters, there is a five meters. If you, uh, you know, cross, if you make the, this right to cross to the, the just leaking point, it's, it must uh, explode, but uh, like that. So mm. comparing the other fuel like gasoline or kerosene, I think the, uh, if we use the outside, hydrogen is not so dangerous. Rather, rather safe, but uh, yeah. we have to be careful in a, in a, in a room. For example, well, sealed room, sealed space, hydrogen go up to the you know the ceiling, and the collect mm -hmm. and the concentration become high. In this case, the that is very dangerous. So oh, if you have confined spaces, a bit like the inside of a building. Yes, I, yes, um, yes. A, you you remember the, uh, in the case of the. A nuclear power plant uh, accident to oh, yes. there is a big explosion so it, it is uh, the hydrogen is collected on the building so explodes so if it's open space never it's never happened uh, yeah yeah thanks for mentioning I, I remember hydrogen build up inside the the building and it, it, it basically blew the the building the outside um, apart oh, that's very interesting um you know, to me, um, I, I've always liked hydrogen, I think, you know, it seems so so clean. So, I mean, comparatively, um, well, easy to use or maybe also safe to use. Um, and I remember when, when I was in, I think, seventh or eighth grade, that was in the late 1980s, we, we already talked about the potential of hydrogen energy um, in my chemistry class. And that's, that's more than 30 years ago now. Um, what, what took us so long to get where we are? Um, or maybe to, to phrase it in a different way, were there, there major technological advances over the past 30 years that have helped develop um, hydrogen to where we are now, Christian? There were more societal advantages over the last decades. Um, I mean, the, what you mentioned, the development in the 1980s came from the oil crisis in the 1970s, when uh, our uh, former colleagues uh, looked for solutions how to overcome the dependency of oil. And one of the ideas was to use nuclear power plants to produce hydrogen uh, as, as a fuel that could be used then in, uh, for example, in transportation. And when the oil um, price went down and uh, there was sufficient oil available on the market in the 1980s, there was no necessity to develop the hydrogen technology further. So there was big development in the 1980s and it was discussed very openly um, how to get into a hydrogen economy, but, but then it went down because there was no need to do. And then when uh, the Kyoto Protocol was signed uh, in 1997, then uh, the discussion started again. How will we get to a um, clean environment? How will we um, stop climate change? Uh, what kind of energy vector is the right one to do that? So then the discussion started again. And so in the beginning of the 2000s, uh, hydrogen was back um, in the mind of the people. 
And uh, since then, the development went on quite slowly over the time. There was a peak in about 2005, then it went down a little bit, and then it went up again. And now, since the Paris Agreement in 2015, um, we see a very strong development uh, uh, into the direction of um, reducing our climate emissions, mainly CO2, but others as well, so that we can achieve the goal of uh, less than two degrees temperature raised until the end of the century. So uh, since then, hydrogen has become uh, so interesting for uh, many applications, especially, and that's important, if it's produced not from fossil resources, but from renewable resources, or in some areas where you have nuclear power from nuclear as well. So it's also really about the, the political environment. Now, both Japan and Germany, we, we, we want to become zero emission economies. Now, the, the, the issue probably has, has gained more yeah, urgency it's, then. It's not only political, it's societal. So, I mean, it's not only the politicians that say we want to live in a clean world. We want to live in a world where uh, we don't have to fight with the uh, climate but uh, therefore the society is behind it and the politicians are, uh, have to find the ways how to organize that. And therefore um, it's a joint venture, thankfully. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and therefore there is a, a big acceptance uh, for this development. Um, Tatsuya, we just had a very good question from the audience, uh, which I think fits nicely. Um, the question is, um, what's taking so much time about the realization of hydrogen-driven um, vehicles? Is it, is it a matter of efficiency, of, of technology for fuel cells, for example? Is it, is it the, the infrastructure, the surrounding infrastructure? Is it safety issues? What, what is the main obstacle currently? Uh, uh, main problem uh, is cost of hydrogen production using the, uh, uh, you know, renewable energy sources. Mm -hmm. So, uh, mm, yeah, of course, there are many, many, many uh, problems. For example, uh, hydrogen station, uh, uh, hydrogen pipeline, uh, there is no hydrogen pipeline, how to transport, how to store the hydrogen also a problem. So hydrogen is a gas. So if we store the gas in the containers, uh, you know, cylinder, it becomes huge, very huge. So it's very expensive one. So the storing, storage, transportation, uh, usage. Uh, but the main, main problem is the cost, I think. Mm. If uh, the hydrogen from the renewable energy can compete with other, uh, fuel, fuel, uh, fossil fuel, uh, like uh, uh, especially in uh, natural gas. In this case, the uh, you know probably hydrogen can distribute very quickly in Japan, yeah. um, Germany also. So now our government are trying to establish the how to store, how to transfer, transport the hydrogen, especially for the uh, foreign country. Mm, but but uh, we need to think about the but the essential point is actually cost of the hydrogen. Mm. I think so. Let's talk about cost then. That's very interesting. Actually, um, maybe before we we start dealing with the, with producing with with the cost of production and distribution. Um, I think it popped up briefly at the beginning how hydrogen is produced, and I. Uh, 
I recall that there, there are all these these colors, right? There's this brown oh. hydrogen, this gray hydrogen, blue hydrogen, green hydrogen. <laughs> now, uh, what, what's the difference, and, and what what kind of hydrogen do we want? Okay, uh, so there is four hydrogens uh, kind. I uh, see it's like one of them is brown hydrogen, gray hydrogen, blue hydrogen, and green hydrogen. So brown hydrogen is the hydrogen produced uh, using the coal, you know, coal. Okay. So it is a kind of the very cheapest hydrogen, but uh, emitting the most amount of the CO2 if you use. So normally uh, we use the coal gasification to produce hydrogen, but uh, it's emit uh, most uh, amount of the CO2 when mm. we produce hydrogen. Next one is gray hydrogen. Gray hydrogen is produced from natural gas. So comparing the other fossil fuel, coal and oil, natural gas is a, 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 a more green. Green is the less, uh, producing less hydrogen, mm. but still emit hydrogen. Uh, no, 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 CO2. Uh, less, less CO2 then, yes, yes, yes. okay. Mm. But uh, 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 next one is blue hydrogen. Blue hydrogen means the uh, we use the coal, uh, natural gas to oil to produce hydrogen, but uh, we capture the CO2. Uh, then uh, we store the CO2 in, uh, for example, underground. That is, okay. we, we call the CCS, uh, carbon capture and sequestration. So uh, if we combine the, uh, the normal uh, hydrogen production technology like uh, coal gasification and uh, natural gas reforming with CCS, in this case, we don't emit CO2 because we catch and store. So in this case, we call blue hydrogen. We, we, we still use fossil fuels to produce it, but we, we capture the, yeah. the carbon hydrogen. Uh, the, yes, um, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. yes. And and last is green. Green is very green hydrogen idea. So using the you know renewable energy, we produce the uh, hydrogen. So in this case, the uh, uh, hydrogen is one hundred percent CO free. So that is for hydrogen. Yeah, but what's what's production? So we basically want to get to green. Um, mm. What's production currently like in, in Japan, for example, or in in Germany? What, what's what, where's the main focus? What's the main source currently? Um, yeah, we need, you know, we need the, we need a, a, you know, renewable energy source. That is, one is hydro, hydropower, and uh, wind power, and uh, 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 also solar, solar electricity using the, uh, you know, solar cell. And yeah. uh, uh, in my field, uh, we use the solar uh, high temperature heat. So, uh, so solar high temperature heat. heat. Okay. 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 Yeah. Uh, it, you, you have to explain that. Yeah. I, th I think when, when I think about hydrogen production, I think about electrolysis. Yes. So, yes, yes. right. You in, use, the, in the case mm. of the you use the hydro power or uh, wind power or uh, solar electricity so using solar cell. In this case, you need you need uh, you know electrolyzer to split water. So, but another way is uh, uh, you know. Solar some chemical process. So in this case, we don't need electricity. We uh, produce the hydrogen from heat. So uh, it is a different way completely. So uh, uh, we need to you need to think about uh, first first which which one electricity or heat. 
process. Yeah. So actually, there is a hybrid process <laughs> combined heat and <laughs> okay. electricity. So we, we, complicated we get, are neither of these. We get to, we get to the, the following. So we have sort of electrolysis. That's what I, I know from chemistry class in, in school, right? You use electricity to split water into hydrogen and, and oxygen. You can use the hydrogen. But but you're saying there's, there's also now a different process. And, that, and this is actually why it's great to have you two here today, because I think this is also the, the main focus of, of both your research, right? You, you use um, thermal, thermal production, if I may call uh, it that yeah. way, yes, to, to yes. produce hydrogen. What, what's the, uh, Christian, if I may ask you, what, what's, what's the advantage compared to electrolysis of this process? Well, the, um, let me get back to the history. Um, when, when our colleagues worked on these processes in the 1970s, they thought about what is the most efficient way to bring the power from a nuclear power station into a fuel like hydrogen. And they developed uh, these processes because of the high efficiencies. So um, uh, if the energy form is electricity, you can use the electrolyzer. If the energy form is heat, you can operate these chemical processes, thermal processes to produce the hydrogen. And uh, the, the case is, um, that the potential efficiency of these processes are extremely high. And the coupling to a heat source is um, rather easy if you go for renewable um, power because heat can be stored much better than electricity. It's much cheaper to store heat than to store electricity. So if you run a solar plant over a year, um, it's definitely more efficient to store the heat, operate the hydrogen production thermally, uh, instead of store the electrons and operate the electrolyzer. So for storing but, electricity, you would need batteries, but how would you store heat? Well, there are different methods. It depends very much on the process that you want to operate. Um, you can store it, for example, in uh, bricks or in sand or uh, in such materials. It is a little bit like in the big um, blast furnaces in, in iron and steel production where you use waste heat uh, from each process to heat the next process. Uh, there are big such high temperature storage systems. About mm -hmm. the same technology could be used for the hydrogen production. Uh, but there are other processes that work at lower temperature, and there you could use, for example, molten salt as a liquid um, or phase change materials to um, give the energy free or even thermochemical storage systems where you store the um, energy in a, in a chemical bond and then you release it when you need it for the hydrogen production. So there are a number of different storage systems that could be applied for, for the technologies. There is another big advantage. Um, we, we talked about these industrial processes already, and many of them need a lot of heat. So if you have the heat available anyway, you can integrate it. And uh, as you need the hydrogen very often in this industrial plants, there's a very nice combination that you produce the hydrogen on site or close to the use of the hydrogen. And you can even scale this up so that you can provide the hydrogen, can provide the heat for the industrial process and store the hydrogen for the use as an energy vector. So there are a number of arguments for the high temperature processes. However, uh, it depends on the site where you 
are located. So we will not set up a large solar thermal plant somewhere in Japan or somewhere in Germany, but we will go to the solar belts or solar regions of the world this is, uh, uh, in the large deserts or mainly in the large deserts uh, of the world where it makes sense to use such high temperature application. That would have been my next question uh, with electricity. Okay, so you need a source of electricity, a source of heat. You, you would probably need a lot of sunshine. Yeah. What for, for Japan, for Germany, what what areas are important then? Um, Tatsuya, what uh, where's the focus from Japan? Actually, I always thought actually Japan gets a decent amount of sunshine, but um, that's that's not enough for. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you know. Many people know already knows. Maybe you you may know. So you know, uh, Japanese target of the uh, hydrogen uh, utilization is very huge. For example, the government target is by 2030. We Japanese government is, is aiming the uh, you know uh, 23 megaton of the hydrogen from the foreign country. 23 also the uh, the you know the cost reduction of the hydrogen in using the especially i think the solar uh, energy so yeah. uh, using the uh, solar cell or solar heat to produce hydrogen uh, uh, less than at least the 10 japanese yen per kilo uh, per 10 uh, yen japanese yen per uh, normal cubic uh, liter of the hydrogen so yeah so also uh, japanese uh, japanese aiming to the uh, this hydrogen should be used in uh, you know power generation so uh, you know uh, hydrogen have to combust in the you know turbine to produce yeah. hydrogen so that is the we need the we need to use the hydrogen with com mixing combustion with methane uh, use, using the existing the uh, uh, you know uh, uh, gas turbine uh, otherwise the uh, we need we have to do the uh, hydrogen combustion by mono com, com, mono combustion uh, uh, turbine okay so about the hydrogen now we are developing the, this kind we have to develop this kind of the technology also already now you know Japanese company uh kawasaki heavy uh, industry developed well the hydrogen uh, turbine so i think it's uh, already in a, can it, it can be commercialized can, can, can be commercialized i think so we, we, we would basically end up with some sort of global hydrogen supply system you would mm -hmm. produce in in sunny regions for for japan i remember from from our preliminary talk you mentioned australia plays an, an important role um it's comparative proximity to japan also has lots of sunshine it's very hot yep. in fact um yes. christian for, for germany what what kind of areas are or what what um what, what, what partner regions play an important role for germany 
Well, for Germany, it's obvious that the closest sunny areas are in Southern Europe. So Spain, Greece, um, Southern Italy, but then Northern Africa is very close as well. So this is the, the closest region to produce um, hydrogen. And uh, there is already a, um, as well a power grid as a um, pipeline grid established that could be used to transport uh, either electricity or hydrogen from that region into Europe. Yeah. So we already um, have, have hydrogen pipelines, actually. No, um, we have we have natural gas pipelines, but we okay. could use them easily for hydrogen as well. You can either mix the natural gas with hydrogen or use it purely for hydrogen. For example, in the Netherlands, they just um, change a lot of their natural gas pipeline grid into a hydrogen pipeline grid, which is not so difficult. And then they could use this as the backbone for um, hydrogen production. Has to do something with a large um, harbors um, on the coast like Rotterdam, but also in Belgium like Antwerp. And um, and this is uh, these are the gates for Europe um, to import hydrogen. So it's not limited to the connection to Northern Africa or Southern Europe, but it will be actually a global market for the energy uh, vector and like like we get our oil presently from the middle east or uh, we get coal from south africa um, we could import hydrogen from south africa or even hydrogen from australia or from southern uh, south america and it's not only um well we we do the high temperature development but uh, there is a lot of areas where you have sufficient wind power, where you have hydropower. So countries uh, like Canada, like Norway, um, like Chile, uh, they, they all can um, produce the energy vector. This will have an influence on the worldwide market because there are more uh, producers than we have for large amount of fossil resources presently, probably. So um, this is a development that will take place. And then there's a market on uh, how to get the energy vector to your country where you need it. So we, we might also have other countries that, like you just said, um, that might rely on electrolysis, on, on electricity, basically, to produce hydrogen. Absolutely. We have sort of like a, a, a new global supply demand system that, that might be slightly different, of course, from the, the, the oil, the fossil fuel based one, but that might function very, very similarly. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, Tatsuya, yes? Yes, yes, yes. Related to the hydrogen uh, technology, actually, ammonia is is now important material uh, because the, uh, uh, you know, we need to uh, convert the hydrogen to the hydrogen carrier. So ammonia uh, is one of the, uh, you know, very, very posi uh, uh, pass uh, I mean, promising uh, hydrogen carrier recently. So related to the ammonia utilization, uh, now the, the many technologies uh, developed for the hydrogen uh, mixed combustion with coal with uh, natural gas so i think it is very uh, important thing because the, in japan we have many coal fires uh, plant power, power plant but uh, uh, without uh, without uh, 
any effort to reduce the hydrogen emission from the coal. We cannot, Japanese uh, industry uh, gap, uh, cannot, uh, you know, install the new coal-fired uh, plant. Mm -hmm. In this case, the, we need to combine with uh, ammonia and the free, we, we have to reduce the CO2 emission. So uh, uh, if, I think also it is very important to use the existing uh, uh, power plant, because if we put the newly uh, power plant for, uh, for example, for the high, my, of course, of course, you know, as, as I said, uh, the hydrogen uh, turbine uh, technology had been developed, but uh, we have to uh, install the newly. Yeah. So it's very costly. So if we use the, uh, you know, uh, ammonia from hydrogen, uh, if we use this uh, ammonia to the existing power plant, like a coal-fired plant, it is very eff effective about the cost. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, Christian mentioned for continental Europe, there might be some, some sort of pipeline system or maybe also existing pipelines that you could use. Now, Japan being an island nation is a bit more difficult, but, but how, how would you transport um, hydrogen to Japan? You, you mentioned um, ammonia, so you, you convert it into a different um, substance that would be easier to ship. Um, are, there, are there other options? Yes, there are other options. You can uh, use it uh, as liquefied hydrogen. This is uh, the, um, the technology that is now no, or shall be demonstrated between Japan and Australia to um, ship uh, the liquefied hydrogen. Uh, it's, I think it's a joint venture between uh, Kawasaki Heavy Industry and Shell. Um, and uh, then you can um, uh, bind it in uh, so-called uh, liquid um, uh, um, carbon hydrogen carriers, liquid organic hydrogen carriers. So LOHC, liquid organic hydrogen carriers. These okay. are organic molecules that easily can take up hydrogen and release hydrogen. So um, like uh, methyl cyclohexane, uh, don't be scared by the name. It, it can take up three molecules of hydrogen and then you can ship it from where the hydrogen is produced to where the hydrogen is needed, for example, to Japan, and then you release the hydrogen and then uh, toluene is produced from it and toluene can be shipped back to the place where you want to get the hydrogen. So it's, um, uh, you get a high energy storage density with such materials as well. And there are many more of these materials um, that could be used to, um, to store the hydrogen. Then you don't need the low temperatures or the high pressure to transport the hydrogen. So these are possibilities. And yes, Japan is an island. Uh, therefore, transport by um, tankers uh, is definitely the way to go. And Japanese is also a country where you have a lot of earthquakes. So it might be, from an outside point of view, uh, easier to transport it on the sea than to transport it by pipeline. You have a lot of uh, mountains in the country, so it's not so easy to, to do this, but you have a lot of coastline and a lot of harbors, so it's quite easy to, to ship it to anywhere you want. Yeah, I would imagine so. And, and Tatsuya mentioned it's, it's fairly cost efficient. Where are we now? Are there, I mean, it all boils down to how expensive hydrogen would be compared to other uh, yeah. resources. Where are we now? Is there a lot of room for improved efficiency? What, what, um, what kind of mode of transportation, for example, do you, do you 
about um, the costs you mean Mainly. Yeah, the, the cost of production, but also the cost of transportation, uh -huh, because I, it, I, I suppose it, it really only makes sense, right? If if we um, if we get a lot of energy out of okay. the whole system without investing too much. Uh -huh. So, uh, may, may I use the, my my slide? Oh yes, please. Yes, sure. yes, yes. So, uh, I need to let me share. Because I remember that that might reflect the debate over um, solar panels maybe 20 years ago or so. At that mm. time was still fairly expensive, but the price really has come down a lot. Maybe maybe more than than people yeah. would expect. Mm -hmm. About the uh, hydrogen costs in Japan now, the current currently you know, hydrogen is 100 uh, Japanese per uh, normal cubic of hydrogen. So it's about right. a euro, roughly, right? Slightly yeah, yeah. less than this a euro. This is very, okay. very expensive. If you use this uh, hydrogen for the uh, power generation, so uh, the, uh, you know the, the power generation cost is fifty-two Japanese yen per kilowatt hours. So normally now, now uh, less than uh, the price of. The, for example, if you use the coal, uh, natural gas, I think current. Uh, 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 cost of the power generation is less than uh, I think ten, like uh, five or something like that, using the fossil fuel or uh, nuclear power. And uh, but this is so fifty-two is very very too ex very expensive. Yeah, so, so it's five six times. Then, yeah, yeah. Okay. so I we we did uh, in the case of Australia, uh, we did uh, two thousand sixteen. We estimate the, uh, the you know, hydrogen cost uh, comparing the uh, uh, you know, PV electrolysis and uh, solar uh, some chemical process. This is our technology. This is uh, uh, electrolysis using PV. At the time, the uh, uh, you know, PV itself is very expensive. That is four years ago. And uh, in Australia, uh, CSIRO, that is a national laboratory in Australia, they estimate probably they produce the hydrogen 11 per kilogram of hydrogen uh, in Australia. At the, at the time, uh, uh, we estimate the cost four to six kilogram of hydrogen if we use the, our process, solar something okay. water splitting. Yeah. But now, uh, you know, PV is quickly priced down. So uh, recently, uh, they start to say, Probably uh, in uh, 2030, the two kilogram of hydrogen is possible. Yeah. So uh, also now, uh, uh, in my, in our case, uh, actually now, uh, uh, you know, uh, cost share, uh, I think 50 uh, over the 50 percent of the cost share is due to the solar uh, field cost. So uh, four years ago, we we used this value, but now. Uh, now this is new uh, solar field cost uh, for the 2030. If we use this value, it's uh, this price also go to the around the two or something. So cost is now competing. Yeah. Uh, oh, so it's, it's yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit puzzled because I, but I think the uh, the the, um, the numbers above there they're per liter and below there per kilogram are uh, they comparable? Because I'm I'm looking at at final fuel right and it shows very low <laughs> cost for the <laughs> the above four. But uh, th this is comparable, right? Yep. Uh, yes. Uh, this is actually, this 
this is another process. So the, in this case, the okay. uh, in the case for the producing the, the you know, uh, I think this in the case of this one is the maybe uh, methanol or something. This is different because they, in this in this process use the uh, uh, you know brown coal, natural gas, biomass. So in this case, the, we produce the hydrogen and carbon monoxide. That is syngas. Syngas can be converted to the liquid fuel. So uh, this, okay. is, this is different. So in this, if you compare uh, this uh, uh, solar uh, methanol with the hydrogen, maybe you can see uh, you can see this line. This is the price per gigajoule. Okay. So, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was. Anyway, anyway, uh, Japanese target uh, of the hydrogen is. Uh, if we talk about Japanese normal cubic uh, meters, that is 30 yen, 30 yen, 30 yen yeah. by 2030 and 20 yen by 2050. Okay, so, so that's, yeah, yeah. like 15, 15 cent, something like mm -hmm, that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, no, but now, you know, uh, 100. So <laughs> by, 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 2000, by 2050, yeah. But um, thanks for the slides, um, yep. Tatsuya. Thanks very much. Um, quick question to the two of you. Um, how, how many years before hydrogen is cost competitive and, until it can be a, a good competitor to other resources? That brings, the us, number. Back to, that brings <laughs> us back to the introduction. It is today. Yeah, I mean, uh, we have to change the, the production over time and uh, it will be a continuous process uh, from shifting from uh, using natural gas to produce the hydrogen into green hydrogen and uh, the market will not accept large uh, changes in the price. So the technologies will improve and the larger the production capacities are, the lower the cost will be as Tatsuya just explained. And therefore um, there will be a continuous development on the, on the market for hydrogen and it will not change much in the price over the next decades. Mm. Well, okay, thanks, the thanks normal so inflation, of course. Yeah, so yeah. the price will rise. That's that's yeah. true for sure. But because, uh, of course, we know, we all know these graphs, right? Adopting new technologies, especially vis-a-vis -vis competing technologies. You know, it has this 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 um, this this extended line at the beginning where it takes time and um, sufficient. Um, customers, um, users um, adopt the new technology and then eventually yeah. picks up. Um, we're slowly approaching the, the end of our talk, but um, now th th let me just talk, um, ask you about Germany and Japan. Um, because from, from what I um, see, I think both Germany and Japan are actually pretty much at, at the front line of hydrogen technology, hydrogen technology development um the two of you you've you've been working together for for quite a, quite some time i think already how, how long more than have you 15 known years yes 15 years okay more than and 15 it, years how how did this cooperation um develop well we met at conferences where we um work in the same area on using solar energy for hydrogen production so this is uh Tatsuya and I met a long time ago and since then we uh, work together and try to even strengthen this over time. Uh, it's uh, 
not so easy between uh, Germany and Japan, but uh, this doesn't scare us. We will continue that and uh, we, we further strengthen that. And we believe there is a big benefit for all of us. And you mentioned the meeting of the ministers uh, later today. Uh, so you see that there is a will between the two countries to closely work together on hydrogen. Hydrogen has a uh, very high priority in German policy, uh, industry and economy, and uh, the same like in Japan. And so we believe it's a, it's a natural uh, way how to develop that. And, uh, and there are joint ventures going on, like in car making between uh, Toyota and BMW, Toyota developing fuel cell systems, for example, BMW making lightweight structures which will can be combined in, in joint ventures in, in car manufacturing. Tatsuya just mentioned the internal combustion engines working on hydrogen. Uh, um, this is something that, uh, that actually we developed at DLR in the 1970s. So the first car was a BMW with an internal combustion engine in the 1970s. And uh, then BMW had some uh, uh, demonstration engines in the 2000s and uh, I think it's a it's a good idea to look deeper into the internal combustion engines again because they work, and uh, if you don't produce uh, any harmful off gases, then it's a nice and cheap way to use the hydrogen. However, um, there are a lot of things to develop, and uh, I believe especially for us as researchers, um, working together is extremely important and will help us all to be faster, to be more efficient, to find the right answers, how to improve all these basic science up to the development into application. So it's about sharing know-how, ideas. Um, it makes a lot of sense, I think, from my perspective, because both Japan and Germany are already very advanced. Um, so there's, there's a, lot, a, a huge foundation that both can build on. And obviously, um, sharing ideas, sharing knowledge would, would, um, would probably speed up the process of, of developing um, technologies further. Um, Tatsuya, what, what, what kind of obstacles do you see? Or, what, what, or maybe, um, maybe even a better question, what, what, where, where's a lot of potential for working together for Germany and Japan currently? Yep, yep, yep. So, uh... If I say about the uh, our fields, so uh, uh, you know, some chemistry, uh, some chemical production with hydrogen. Actually, you know, DLR is the uh, you know senior uh, than Japanese researcher. So uh, Japanese industry, uh, you know, uh, Japanese industry and the researcher have to learn from the uh, uh, you know DLR researchers because there are uh, these very uh, many uh, demonstration with using the, the solar facility with Sp South Spain. So there are is a top leader of this technology. So uh, Japanese industry had a very nice, uh, excellent technology like, uh, you know, the turbine and uh, high temperature storage. But uh, we Japanese industry doesn't know doesn't know know the uh, how to operate the how to get the how to, uh, high temperature from sun sunshine. So uh, Japanese industry uh, and the researcher have to collaborate with the uh, institute uh, like DRR, uh, who has a very very uh, uh, a lot of the experience on this field. Thanks much. So it's also sharing 
competitive advantage, right? Both yeah, Germany yeah. Japan. Japan. Um, Niigata University, the DLR in Germany, you, you both um, have um, um, very, a lot of strength in certain areas and it makes a lot of sense to pull them. Um, obviously, if, if researchers are interested, interested in the topic, um, they're very welcome to contact you, I would assume. Yep. Um, thanks very much to uh, the both of you, Christian and Tatsuya, for, for this very interesting talk. I, I certainly learned a lot today, also about the, the, the future potential and actually about different ways to produce um, hydrogen that I wasn't aware of. Um, it was very interesting. Thanks so much for making time for our talk today. Um, thanks also for everybody who was watching, uh, who made time for the coffee talk. Um, as I mentioned at the onset, if you want to get in touch with Christian or with Tatsuya, please take a look at the WIH Tokyo website. Um, you can find all the information there. Um, please also do check the website and the DWIH's social media channels for news and events on research and innovation in general from Germany and Japan. And also subscribe to the newsletter, which I think is always a very good source of information and also of upcoming events. Um, today was an exception. We usually try to meet um, on the first Tuesday every month. Uh, today was a Monday, but as it turned out, we picked the right day. We, um, we had two hours head start before the minister's meeting. Um, thanks so much, everybody, for joining. Thanks for um, the uh, illuminating talk, Christian and Tatsuya, and see you next time then. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.